Fox Sports Indiana, and you're listening to Small Town Sports Talk. Hello and welcome to this episode of Small Town Sports Talk brought to you by Endeavor Communications. As always, I'm Jonah Freeman, joined by our co-host Andrew Willett. Andrew, how are you? Jonah, never been better. Uh, Really excited. It's our first show in quite some time. I hope you're doing well. And with our first show, we are very happy to be joined by uh, someone who has been the athletic director at DePaul University for over eight years now. Uh, very excited to welcome Stevie Baker Watson. Stevie, how are you? I am great. Thanks for the invitation from you two to join you today. Absolutely. Thanks for joining us. So our first question, uh, we want to know how, the, how is the school year doing? How are you doing? Well, it's a very different start of the school year. Let's start there. Uh, we've been for back sure. on campus since probably the third or fourth week in August. Our student athletes have been chomping at the bit in order to get into a space with each other where they can practice. And we've been in that space now for about, I would say 10 to 14 days, depending on the team. And uh, while they really enjoy that, they are really looking to us to find a way for them to be able to compete against folks coming the start of uh, the calendar year, January 1. So that's kind of what we're working on right now. We've got a number of students that are on our campus in particular at Tapa. So we've got about 750 students in residence right now. And we've got another 100 students that are community campus. And then we have another probably 850 to 900 students who are attending remotely this term. So to move from a campus that is 100% residential and really uses that as an advantage when we talk to prospective students, this is a very different feel on campus for sure for us. So I don't know when we're gonna be back to normal. I don't know what normal means anymore. Um, all I know is I'm really laser focused on how can we find these competitive opportunities for our student athletes and frankly, our coaches. Exactly. And if you don't mind, just touch on maybe some of the protocols and stuff like that that you guys have put in place as far as practices and competitions go. Absolutely. Great question. So we've used the NCAA's uh, return to sport socialization plan, which is three phases in order to guide our, our student athletes back onto the practice field. Um, before we even started phase one, they were all going through medical clearance, which included a COVID antibody test. We're seeing research that shows that someone who has been exposed to COVID potentially could develop cardiac issues. And we we're very sensitive to that with our student athlete population. Um, once they worked through all the medical and compliance clearance in that pre-phase one, Phase one was about 14 days of individual work where we wanted them to make sure that they were cardiovascularly fit to return to the pitch, the pool, the court, wherever they were gonna be. Uh, they might've been gathering with their friends and their, their fellow student athletes, but they weren't getting instruction from our coaches. Now that we've moved most of our teams into phase two, phase two, I would say resembles most individual instruction for our student athletes. So a lot of one-on-one -on -one small group works, we've got limits in terms of no more than 10 to a group right now, whether you're indoors or outdoors. And then very shortly, we'll be moving into phase three, which will look more like a regular team practice for folks. We'll be able to move to groups of 25 outdoors. We'll still stick with 10 indoors type of thing. Um, practice in some ways looks very similar to what they would have had before in other ways very different. Um, we have mask protocols. So we use universal masking when we're out at practice, which means our coaches are in masks the entire time. 
or student athletes, except when they're involved in exertional exercise are also masking. So typically at the start of practice and the end of practice, uh, when students are called over for water breaks and they get that time, we gotta tell everybody to back up and spread out because they all wanna come together sort of thing. Um, but what you're seeing is a lot of individual skill development going on right now. And I think that that's, that's appropriate given the fact that we don't have a competition on our horizon. Let's use this moment in time for our student athletes to get that small group one-on-one -on -one attention that they really strive for when they're in this environment. We are doing routine testing on campus as well. So we have uh, asymptomatic weekly testing that takes place. And each week, 10% of our student athlete population, so about 10% of the 400 student athletes that we have this fall um, are selected for random testing. So today is a test result day. So when I finish with you all, I am gonna go into my system and figure out, I know, cross my fingers, figure out if we've got any folks that we need to talk to. So um, it is a good moment for us to reset and to be very intentional about what we're doing um, and our engagements with other folks. So uh, we're excited about it. We just, we just need to get some competition on the schedule. That's awesome. It sounds like you guys are uh, doing things the right way, playing it safe. But it sounds to me like uh, DePaul Athletics are going to be back in 2021, or at least you're I, trying to I certainly hope so. I mean, our philosophy has been that we are going to plan until we're told we can't plan anymore. I mean, our coaches are tremendous professionals. They can pivot quickly. They can adapt to change. Um, but there is just you know, there's not an infinite number of us. So we're gonna do planning. We're gonna talk with folks who are in our conference to see who think who thinks they are gonna be competing. Um, and we, we figure that not everybody's gonna be able to do so because we're in different states and we have different philosophies on our campus. We're looking at our geographical footprint because we do overlap with a number of division three uh, conferences here in Indiana and the contiguous states. So we're seeing what's available in that, in that way, shape or form for them. So. I'm not going to say we're not doing it, but I am also not going to make promises that I can't necessarily fulfill either, because in the end, if we can't do it safely and we can't find the competition, then DePaul won't be competing in 2021. Absolutely. And I think it was a shocker to everyone that we've made it to this point as far as IHSA sports go. We have footballs getting close to sectionals, volleyball, all of our fall sports. What's that like as an athletic director of a college with a high school in Greencastle right down the road that's been playing for the last couple of months? Well, it's really interesting. My daughter is actually a senior at Greencastle High School on the volleyball team. My husband is one of the football coaches on Greencastle's uh, staff. So I get that coming home um, in terms of what they're doing and not doing. I will say I was really impressed at the beginning with the amount of discipline that the coaches were instilling on their student athletes to follow safety protocols. Um, just like any other place, we have folks in our community that are very worried about COVID-19 and we have folks who are not as worried about it. And so it took folks time to understand that, you know, my personal decision can actually affect everybody around us. Um, no one in our community has pointed though to Greencastle High School and said, hey, you gotta get your stuff going because Greencastle's doing it sort of thing. Right. Um, and I'm okay with that. I mean, we are, uh, you know, again, uh, with my daughter playing, I feel very comfortable with her as a parent having a voice and saying, uh, that's not good or that's not good. Um, I will say Sunday night, we watched the uh, selection pairings for the IHSAA volleyball sectionals and regionals and stuff. And uh, as soon as they panned to two gentlemen sitting at the, at the desk and unmasked, my, all three of my kids turned to me and said, are they six feet apart? Should they really be unmasked? 
And I went, okay, that's a parent win for me. Not my decision, but that's a parent win for me. So I feel better about them being on their own and making independent decisions. And if I'm not mistaken, you guys drew Andrew and I school in Monrovia, correct, for volleyball? Yes, yes, we did. We um, played Monrovia, I want to say about two weeks ago. Yep. Um, at Greencastle. Greencastle lost in three. Um, and I'm not going to give up any secrets here, but I will tell you our starting setter was not there. So uh, my daughter, who had not set in three years, had to set that match. So <laughs> I think this rematch is going to be a little different than what it went the first time around. Absolutely. De definitely looking forward to that rematch. Uh, you've got a senior in high school. You know the importance that that senior year takes. What is DePaul doing to honor your seniors who might be missing out on uh, some fall athletics? And uh, are, are they getting a year of eligibility extended? Yeah, so the eligibility part is probably the easiest place to start. In NCAA Division Three, they made it really student-athlete friendly for students who did not want to return to be able to maintain that season of competition. And even made it really easy for folks that if you got in and you, you happen to play a couple of games or a couple of matches and then things were canceled, you'd still maintain your eligibility there. So I'm not hearing folks in Division Three stressing about eligibility the way we're reading right now in the papers about Division One in particular and what that's gonna look like. Uh, when it comes to our seniors, I think the first thing I would share is that we have been extremely intentional about making sure that everything we are doing is considering not only the seniors, but also students who are remote right now. Uh, because that it, they are just having two different very experiences than what they thought that they would be doing. Um, we spent time in the spring, we always have an end of the year Despies celebration. So we spent time there um, <clears throat> making sure that uh, we acknowledged all of the seniors at that moment and really just acknowledging that this isn't what you expected, right? It's not the vision you had. Um, and then now going into the fall, we always do a student athlete opening ceremony. It's one of my favorite nights, but we couldn't safely bring everybody together in the gym, so we did it virtually. Um, and we made sure that it, in that video montage that we acknowledged every single student, senior student athlete individually. Um, I think that they like being, right? They love being part of that team. And most often they don't need individual recognition to, to, to have any sort of joy from that experience. Um, but we know it's important right now to be able to individually call them out in a very positive way to say, to say thank you. And I just keep telling people like, we're gonna have one heck of an alumni game series coming up for the next couple of years when everybody comes back. Um, I'm not sure what that totally looks like, but we're pulling out old jerseys and we're going to we're going to do it up like it is a real game for these folks because they need they need to have that moment in which they acknowledge this is my final moment on the field or on the court. I think that's the part that was missing for our spring sport senior student athletes and is probably missing for our fall sport student athletes as well right now, too. Right. And you mentioned the seniors. I'm not expecting an answer, but if the seniors come back for another year of eligibility, what does that mean for, say, incoming freshmen with scholarships and team numbers and stuff like that? And uh, real quick, this was a question I, I really wanted to ask. I've got a brother uh, who is a senior in high school this year. He's interested in playing basketball, even at, say, DePaul University. So, uh, yeah, I, I'm interested in hearing how uh, recruiting has been affected by sure. coronavirus. So, Jonah, go back and give me your questions again because I got so, focused on Andrew there. 
So it's like, so seniors, obviously, though, if they get that extra year of eligibility, does that then affect, say, incoming freshmen with scholarships and team numbers and stuff like yeah. that? So great question. So let me start off by saying student athletes who come to DePaul University have zero financial aid that's connected to their athletics participation. Okay. We're a division three institution, which means that you get merit aid based upon your academic profile in high school, and you get need-based aid based upon your family's financial situation. So uh, we're, again, we're not having that conversation that you're seeing in the news with division one, where they're talking about they don't have enough money to honor scholarships for kids coming back. Like, we, we don't have that issue. There are some financial aid parameters that um, only allow students, for instance, to have financial aid over eight full-time semesters. So we've had to have some students probably make some decision, like, do I come back and go full-time if I'm not gonna play my sport or do I wait? Um, when it comes to roster numbers, we like to stay steady as a department, probably around 600 total student athletes. We think that's financially what we can hold. Teams on any given year can go up a little and down a little. And as coaches report that information into me, they, they generally submit it by the beginning of October. Uh, we've been having conversations about who do you really think is coming back? DePaul from the start has been a four year experience. So we actually don't have a whole lot of students who are saying we wanna come back for a fifth year. We did have a handful of students that did decide to take a leave of absence. So that way they did have a better shot at that final athletic experience as seniors but that's been predominantly false sports student athletes. Um, higher education is an inf a financial investment. And we've said to students, um, please do not incur more debt for remaining in college for a longer period of time and delaying going into the workforce. Um, don't, don't let athletics be the main driver in that decision making process. Make it, a, make it a part of it, right? Put it on the table and be honest, but don't let it drive it. Now, when it comes to enrollment and admissions, uh, we've been welcoming visitors back on campus since mid-July, which in speaking to some of our colleagues is actually earlier than what other institutions our size are doing. We worked extensively with our admissions department to make sure that we could create a safe environment for our visitors, as well as our uh, staff that are working that day. Um, our coaches are able to uh, sit out in the middle of the quad and meet with our student athletes and their, their parents. They're able to walk the facilities, head outside. Um, I've been hearing on the back end that we've just been nailing it when it comes to the Zoom type of experiences with the prospects. So um, we haven't missed a beat, but we also are cognizant that when folks, when folks have an opportunity to come to our campus, they love what it looks like and they just love what it feels like. And so for us, we want to get more students back because we want them to have that good feeling connection. So that way, when they get that offer of admission from DePauw, they say yes and put down their deposit. So you mentioned DePauw's emphasis on the academic side of being a student athlete. You guys had 123 uh, student athletes achieve academic honor roll in the North Coast Athletic Conference this past year. What makes DePauw different uh, in their focus on being a student? I am so tremendously proud of the work that we do to walk the talk, right? Broad-based Division Three is supposed to be about a total student experience and that athletics is part of it. Um, and so is academics. And it was probably, I wanna say 10 years ago when Division Three went on this rebranding campaign. And I remember that coming out and me saying, this is what we do. Why are we, why do we need to put a stamp on this now? Like this is the way it is. But I came to realize that not every division three school is like that. 
you know, our coaches do a phenomenal job of identifying prospective students who want the DePaul experience, who want to come and have a competitive athletic experience, who want to do research in the classroom, who want to be part of a fellows program, who want to study abroad. And so they're those students that are very motivated on a day to day basis to try and make all of that stuff work. And so it's not unusual for us, like, you know, last spring, uh, when the world was turning upside down, you know, we had a number of student athletes that were abroad, they had played their competitive season in the fall, and then they were going abroad in the springtime and not participating with their spring team stuff like that's not even a that's not even a question on our place. That's just an expectation of that's the way it's going to be. The other thing is, is we have faculty members who really love working with our students who are driven and have time management skills. Um, and those are two things that most, not all, but most of our student athletes have in terms of inherent traits. So they wanna work with them in the classroom. And so they get a lot of one-on-one -on -one interaction. They get a lot of opportunity for research. Um, they get a lot of opportunities to be in those fellow programs. So. I don't know if we're necessarily different than other folks. I just think that we respect students' passions and they're gonna come here with a passion for academics and they're gonna come here for a passion for athletics and maybe a passion for something else. And we honor that throughout their four-year experience. You mentioned the world turned upside down. Obviously everyone knows that happened. It took a lot of working together, college to college. You know, It wasn't just DePaul, it wasn't just Purdue, it wasn't just Greencastle. Was it a weird experience having to really work with Wabash, who is such a big rival in every other way? Yeah, my dad is a uh, DePaul graduate, and he shares no love with uh, Wabash. So yeah, uh, how much do you work with them? I, you know, we actually work with Wabash quite a bit. I enjoy my colleagues up at Wabash. Um, they too have a Wabash experience the way we may have a DePaul experience, right? And they believe in it. It's not my cup of tea, and that's okay in that sense. Um, you know, we've worked with a lot of folks. You know, I will say, so when things started going, it was probably the beginning of March when really, I think our country, and at least Indiana, we were starting to think about COVID-19 in a very different way than what we might've had when we were getting reports the end of January. And I happened to be traveling with our softball team. I was in Arizona. And we were coming back to campus on that Sunday. And I remember gathering with them in the lobby and saying, things are gonna be different when you come back to campus. Like things are gonna be different when you travel. I want you to be you know, super careful. These are the things you need to do. Um, and then once we came back to campus, you know, our decision-making was really fast, probably within four or five days. And we were one of the first schools within the North Coast Conference to say, we're pulling this, we're not, we're not gonna be competing this spring. And a lot of people looked at us like, you guys are, you're not right. Like you're not making a sound informed decision about this. And I had some folks who called me and, and emailed me and wanted to tell me that as well, right? But then you let it go another 72, 96 hours and suddenly everybody else is seeing the same thing that we are doing. Um, in the end, we are all concerned about the safety of our student athletes and the safety of our coaches and our employees. And it just, it didn't make sense then. Seven months later, we know a lot of different things. Now, I don't think we're gonna go the high school route and say, no, we don't need to test and everything's gonna be okay. Um, but we do wanna figure out how we can safely live in this environment and provide a competitive opportunity for those who are seeking it. We are going to pause right there for a quick advertisement. We hope you're enjoying this show. Thank you. Jonah, do you know what is ridiculously fast? What's that, Andrew? 
Endeavor Communications Internet Speeds. That's right. In Indiana, basketball is everything. And if you're anything like Andrew and I, you are always streaming basketball, your favorite sports, or just your favorite shows. And hey, you're always going to need Wi-Fi. Ridiculously fast. Endeavor Communications provides Wi-Fi perfect for watching the big game, streaming your favorite shows, working, studying, and gaming all at the same time. Not only is Endeavor fast, but when you go with Endeavor, you support the whole community. Endeavor Communications is proud to serve and support our local community. From homes, education, businesses, Endeavor will keep you ahead of the game. You can find out more and see for yourself at weendeavor.com. That's weendeavor.com. And tell them Small Town Sports Talk sent you. Absolutely. Uh, how, but how is uh, campus going to be a little different with no Moan on Bell Dam this fall? Well, um, I always love the Moan on Bell game. Like, it is just, if you haven't been able to go to it, like, it is just an experience in small college sports. You're just not going to get anywhere else. Uh, we hosted last fall. And I got to tell you, you need two years to recover before you host the Monabella game again, because your facilities are not designed to have 10,000 in a stadium and another four to 6,000 in your parking lots type of thing in, in small town Indiana. Um, so I'm not missing the logistics of that. Um, I am sad that, you know, our collective institutions, though, don't get to come together to celebrate that. Would have been 127 years this year. So it'll be 127 in fall of 2020. Um, we've already started having conversations uh, with folks about scheduling and what is it going to look like. Um, you know, one theory is, you know, you keep the schedule as is and DePaul hosts again in 2021. If you have any Wabash alum who are listening to this, they are probably freaking out right now, right? Because the other side of the coin is, you know, we give them an opportunity to host in 2021 because they missed 2020. So just to put it out there, it's on both presidents' radars. Uh, they are going to discuss it. They are going to figure it out. And Matt Tanney, who's the athletic director and I, uh, we will make it work whatever way it is. But I got to tell you, I don't, um, I don't want the stress of hosting, again, 10,000 in a stadium and 46,000 in a parking lot as we're trying to figure out a pandemic. Like, if I'm, if I'm being totally honest, like, that would be the reason why I don't want to host the Monon Bell game. Maybe Lucas Oil. Maybe if they, it's always the same weekend as this really large like band competition. So maybe if the band competition doesn't happen, like we could go and socially distance at Lucas Oil, maybe. That would be incredible. Um, when I think of DePaul and the Monon Bell game, I definitely, the first thing that comes to mind is Coach Nick Morosis. Obviously, recently he passed away. Um, if you don't mind, just touch on what he meant to DePaul and the football program in that game. I gotta find my Kleenex because you guys are gonna make me cry on. Uh, coach Nick was DePaul. I mean, as a he came here in 1981 as our head football coach. He was on the sideline until 2003 in that same role. Um, but that man was with us still like every Saturday, and love his wife Marilyn. Who, and I said this to her um, visiting her with her one day. I was like, Marilyn, you were like the ultimate coach's wife. Like. That man went to high school games on Friday night, sometimes multiple high school games. Then he'd come here on Saturday in his retirement and coach. And then he'd go to another college game on Saturday night. And then he'd be at a professional game on a Sunday. Like the man loved the game, but he loved the people who played the game even more. And so that connection that he had with everybody, like everyone loved Nick and Nick loved everybody, right? He might've called you chief because, but, and he may not have always remembered your name, but he remembered things that 
I, I don't know how he did it. Like he was just so incredibly special in that kind of way. Um, he still lives in town. And so he never left after he retired. Uh, they lived two blocks from us. So we would see he and Marilyn frequently kind of thing. Um, Nick was a special person and we're just gonna miss him a whole lot. That's special. Uh, I'm glad you could uh, touch on that for us, Coach. Um, so Stevie, I also wanna ask you about your relationship with uh, Paige Cotton who you replaced in uh, 2012. Um, Paige Cotton was an ultimate legend and still is a legend at DePauw. He had been in this, he had been in the athletic department for 41 years before he retired out of the athletic department and then moved over to development for the next three years. Like he has been tremendous in terms of giving guidance, giving support, but also at the same time, recognizing that my tenure as an athletics director is my tenure as an athletics director. And so there was never pressure to say, well, Stevie, this is the way we used to do this. Um, but he always gave context and always, um, this is gonna sound weird, kept a really good distance. Knew when he should come closer to say, hey, Stevie, you should be thinking about this. And other times saying, um, you know what? I'm gonna, I'm gonna keep my distance and let her figure it out. Um, Paige and his wife, Narda, still live here in town. So we still see them. Um, he spent many, many moons as our head men's soccer coach. And so he is routinely at our men's soccer games when we're competing. So we get to see them a lot. Um, but Paige was just a great um, example of steady leadership of someone who has a high level of integrity. Um, no one ever questioned, and nor should they, uh, the decisions that Paige made because they were always honest and they were transparent um, and they were reasonable. Now, you may not have agreed with them all because you might have varying opinions, right? But no one ever questioned Paige in terms of his dedication for this place. Um, or his ability to have a high level of integrity. So it's been great. We see him, we see him less now that he's retired. Um, he does come to soccer games, um, but he's got family in different parts of the country. So he's, he's traveling and spending time with his wife, visiting them. Was there a specific moment like for you growing up that you knew like athletic director, that's what I want to be was like, and then say at DePaul, like, was there a, a moment where those things clicked and you're like, Hey, that's what I want to do. No, no. <laughs> No, my background, you know, I, uh, I grew up in the Chicago suburbs and I fell in love with athletic training when I was in high school. And that's why I decided to go to Ohio University for my undergraduate education was because I was looking for that experience as an, uh, as an athletic trainer. And when I came back to Chicagoland area, I spent 10 years as a clinical athletic trainer. And it was probably, it's probably about eight years into that 10 year tenure where life was aligning itself. And I said, I can offer other things to higher ed and athletics. I was doing all of these things that gave me these wonderful transferable skills in, in athletic training and I was doing administrative work. And that's when I really said, you know, I maybe need to start thinking about this. At that point, um, I was married. I was married to the same man I'm married to now, but he was a college football coach at that time. I was trying to be an athletic trainer and work football, which like seasonally, that's just a struggle. And then uh, I remember that summer of 2004, I've got two kids. Like it is just, sorry, no one kid. I have one kid in 2004, the second one is coming. Um, that I just realized like I need to start thinking about something else because I've always been guided by my own um, personal happiness. So I rejected like being a doctor and being a lawyer, even though I think I had the competency to do either one of those things. I didn't, the lifestyle was not for me. So I went a different route. So it was 2004 when I really said, Ooh, I wanna make this change. 
And then I think it was August 9th. I want to say it's August 9th, 2011. Uh, it came out that Paige was retiring from this job. And I was like, oof, I'd like that. DePaz got a name in Chicago, so I knew of the place. Um, I had been here twice with other teams, so I had seen the community. It felt very comfortable. I had met the people. They were wonderful. Um, and so it was probably that day when I was like, ooh, I want to talk. Um, and I, I'm the first to, to say this. Like, I don't, I mean, I know how I got through the process, but like on paper, I was probably not the candidate to get through the process. I had no experience sitting in this chair, um, had not been in this league, had not been a college student athlete type of thing. But I really do think it was my focus on the student and the student athlete experience that folks saw then and that's what they see now that guides their decision making. Well, obviously you've made it this far, uh, doing a terrific job. Uh, could you tell us about some of your duties as the athletic director at DePaul and uh, what, what are your favorite parts of the job? Well, my favorite part are the people. So I work with wonderful coaches. I work with wonderful student athletes. Um, I say a lot that they will have a personality in the morning and a personality in the afternoon and you just got to be able to flow with it, right? Because you never know what's going what's gonna to come at you. Um, I really love working with 18 to 22 year olds though in higher education. I think that's a really pivotal moment for students when they're beginning to make their own independent decisions and they're starting to form uh, who they are as a person, right? I think when you're in high school, you're still in that space of highly influenced by your family unit, right? And then you get to be on your own when you're in college. So I love working with that population. Um, my days, so uh, I tell folks like I might spend a third of my day non-pandemic in some sort of standing meeting with folks. So this role as an athletic director articulates with admission. It articulates with marketing and communication, alumni development, uh, student life, academic affairs. Like I, I really don't know another position on campus other than one that might sit in the president's office that so routinely articulates with all these, all these different folks that are on campus. And we're all advancing initiatives in another way. You know, the primary focus of our coaches are to recruit, retain, and mentor student athletes who elevate the academic and athletic profile at DePauw. So I've got to have a pulse on what we're doing from an admissions space. Um, I've got to know how we're taking care of our students who are on campus. And then I, got to, I also got to be thinking about alumni engagement. Um, I probably have a third of my day that are more individual meetings with coaches about things. Uh, the coaches would tell you here, I do not get into their X's and O's. I want to know about their X's and O's because I, I'd like to think that I know what they're thinking when they're making decisions in a game. Um, but I'm not telling anybody what to run. I'm not telling anybody what to play. Like, that's why I hired them. That's what they're supposed to do. Um, but I, they'll often come in and just say, hey, let me, let me bounce this off of you, right? Because so much of their job is, is so far more than just here are the X's and O's on a piece of paper type of thing, right? They're helping those students just as I am, 18 to 22 year olds, figure stuff out. So we're talking a lot about that with them. And then I have what I hope is a third of my day that I actually get to control. Um, and hopefully it's time for me to be creative and actually do the work in all these different areas. Now that we're in pandemic, my world has turned on its side because of my background in athletic training. Um, I added a role of campus wellness about five years ago, which means now in the middle of this pandemic, I have pivoted pretty hard into that campus wellness side of things. Uh, like I remarked earlier, running the testing program on our campus, working with students going into isolation or quarantine, uh, working on policy with my fellow COVID-19 task force members. Like my day now is probably more campus wellness based 
than it is athletic-based type of thing. Um, I do spend a lot of time on personnel, and that's both the good and the bad. I spend a lot of time on finances too and budgets. Um, you know, they say that if you just know how to balance your checkbook, you should be able to, you know, do a college athletic budget. It's a lie. I got far too many accounts and I got far too much money, right? And far too much responsibility to other people to make sure that we're spending our money the right kind of way. So those are probably the two biggest content areas that I spend on a daily basis. So with all that stuff you have to do, are you still then able to make it to say your husband's football games and your daughter's volleyball? Yeah, in exchange for uh, not working the concession stand during the JV games, I actually line judge the JV okay. game. So that then puts me in a position to stay for her stuff. Um, my husband's football games, like I enjoy sports, but um, I don't need to be at every sporting event type of thing. So I'm happy to hear about what happened. Um, but, you know, I'll be honest, my investment in, in high school football is very different than my investment in high school volleyball. So, and I got to prioritize my time right now and I get cold really easily. So some of these nights we've been having of late, like I'm out there in a parka in gloves and people are staring at me. I don't, I don't, I don't need to do that. All right. Last question before we get to Jonah's 60 second speed round brought to you by Endeavor Communications. I want to know, uh, you said volleyball over football. What is your favorite sport to attend as the AD at DePaul? That's an excellent question. And this is the one you always try to like, slip people up on so any game that is good like there is competition i like going to i don't like the lopsided stuff right unless the coach decides to use it as a developmental opportunity for kids who don't normally get to play right and then you get to see this joy and happiness on them because um, that's what they're working towards all the time but they understand the limitations right the number of kids who can be on a field the number of substitutions that you have like sometimes it's just not possible um, I will say though being like a fan and I say this often um, I really enjoy going to the national championship for swimming and diving and the reason that I loved going to that is that everybody is excited about people breaking records everybody is excited about people swimming fast you know you might be sectioned off by your different schools when you're in the stands and you're wearing all your gear and you know who you're affiliated with but they my experience has been those fans appreciate great athleticism and so it doesn't matter if your rival is you know i mean it matters if your rival beats you right but if your rival beats you and they just swam like a national best everybody is all in on it type of thing i could sit and watch volleyball though like all day long type of thing. Um, and that's, you know, that's the beauty of my job is that I do get to see all these wonderful opportunities and I get to see all these weather, uh, wonderful sporting events type of thing. But uh, I, uh, I have a different view sometimes on appropriate fan behavior than some folks do in the stands. So if I have an opportunity to be on a sideline or be in an environment like uh, swimming and diving where I can physically separate myself from folks who uh, have a lot of opinions about what's going on, then I'm going to choose to do that. Absolutely. And Andrew just mentioned it briefly. It's time for our 60 second speed round brought to you by Endeavor Communications. The way this will work, you have 60 seconds, anywhere from seven to 10 quick questions. In all honesty, you'll probably get through them. Are they right so, or wrong? Are, are there, is this just my opinion or is, this, is there just like your a opinion. right opinion? Okay, no, just your opinion. Okay. There's so still a lot of questions, Andrew's but not ready. quite as much. Okay. Right, 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 right. Andrew, whenever you're ready, you start the town. All right. Ready, set, go. 
Favorite place to go on a vacation? Paso Grill, Florida. If you were given $1 million, what would your first purchase be? My house. Okay. Uh, what's your favorite professional team? Oh, gosh. I don't even... I'm going to say Chicago White Sox, and I'm probably going to okay. get wrong for it. But <laughs> um, What's your favorite place to eat in Greencastle? I like Wasser Brewery. Favorite thing to do in free time? Not that you have a lot of it. I like to sit outside in the sun and read a book. Okay, perfect. What's your favorite book? Oh, boy. I have a book right now. Well, uh, one of the books I go back to a lot is called All In. It's about developing culture in your environment. Okay. And then what would you say your favorite college team is other than Greencastle? If you had uh, Other than Ohio University Bobcats. Okay. And that's it. That should be close to a minute. You and did then, good. You did good. That was one minute. Oh. That was so much easier than I thought it was going to be. Excellent. I, I, you're always, I feel like people always say that. They get so nervous and it's like nothing. <laughs> I got to tell you, a couple years ago, uh, I got an award and uh, Maria Taylor was the host, like presenting you the award and you did a Q&A and you did this rapid fire stuff. And I was in the, like, I was already going on stage to accept the award. And the stuff that she was asking me, I was like, I'm going to, oof, like, these were so much easier. So kudos to you on that. <laughs> yes, of course, our 60 second speed round. We'd have to hear from Stevie Baker Watson. Stevie, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for having me. Thank you to our listeners. Uh, follow us on Twitter at ST Squared 2. And you can listen to us wherever you listen to podcasts, whether that be Apple Podcasts, YouTube, Spotify, Stitcher, and more. I'm Andrew Willett with Jonah Freeman. And today, Stevie Baker Watson, the athletic director at DePaul University. Thanks for listening. That's ST Squared.